Well, I love summer. I'm sure every, everybody loves summer. Summer's now in full swing. It's a ton of fun. Lots of things to, to do. Lots of things to not do, right? That's part of the, the win of summertime is you don't have to stay maybe in this, that same schedule. Lots of opportunity for new rest, for new rhythms, uh, since a lot of the typical rhythms get thrown out of the window, especially if you have kiddos right now. It's kind of semi-chaotic, but fun at the same time. Uh, and so uh, it's possible that summer actually feels more frantic because you don't have the rhythms anymore. So if that's you, we'll pray for your soul as well at the end of this uh, service time. But I, I want to ask this question because this, I, the idea of summer is all about relaxation and resting. And so I want to just ask the question, what I want to do this morning is what does it mean to truly rest? What does that mean? What does it mean to actually truly rest. We got to go this past week. Um, my wife's family was kind of coming through. They've got a camper, and uh, which is the camper's a whole nother thing. Camping and doing the camping thing. Some of you are like super campers. Some of you are like, give me AC. I think I'm one of those AC people, but I can do it for a little while. So we had a great, actually had a great time, but one of the things we do, uh, uh, we had a chance to do was go to the ark experience. So they have a, literally a, a, a biblical life-size ark, just like four hours from here, which is crazy. It's cool when you're out. <laughs> I came from West Texas, which is close to literally nothing. It's just the desert for days and days. But if you get to live up here, there's cool stuff around. So we got to go and hang out at the ark. And so you're unpacking, you go into the ark, and you're just getting a concept for what it would have been like for when Noah was honoring what the Lord had asked him to do. It looked like he was a kind of bit of a crazy person, which sometimes if you follow Jesus, you might look like a crazy person, but you're going to get there to the truth eventually, right? Amen? Okay, I need some head bobbing. Let's move. All right, there we go. All right. We're doing this by faith. Okay, so anyway, we're going there. So one of the great things is you just get to relive the creation story. And you get to watch day after day the king of the universe creating the universe. He was king of whatever nothingness was before, but he brings the universe into uh, existence in this moment. And you get to see it. So, uh, He's together the light and the darkness and then the earth and the waters and the whole thing's coming together. And then he's making the birds and fish and then the things that crawl on the land. And then he makes man in his image on the sixth day. I mean, he is rocking and rolling. And then all of a sudden you get to this seventh day. And I want to look at this in Genesis chapter 2, because something strange happens in the midst of this incredible creating and doing. In Genesis chapter 2, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, this is the first time that we're introduced to this concept of rest, and yet it seems to come at a moment where you'd ask the question, why? I mean, was it really necessary well, what's actually going on here? Why is God doing this? You look back at the text, and why does it say that God is resting? Is God tired? No. He's the omnipotent of the universe, the omniscient. He's the full, he's the full power. There's no moment at any point in time that God has ever been tired. It doesn't happen. Does God need to 
rest in order to be able to function. You and I understand sleep, right? Can't, can't get sleep, can't function. Does God need to rest in order to be able to function? No. Has sin come in and corrupted and made work hard? We know that part of when sin enters into the equation, all of a sudden work becomes laborsome. It becomes hard. It says toil. The word, the scripture uses toil. It becomes difficult. You can't ever get on top of it. Has sin corrupted work at this point and made it laborious? The answer is no. What's going on? We go back and we see he sets this day apart to commemorate this moment of having done this extraordinary work. Why set the day apart? Why not just keep on going? Because there's this fundamental truth that we discover that comes from who God is. And what we're going to find out, what we see in this scripture here, is resting isn't primarily about a lack of activity. Resting is about being. Resting is about being, because before God does, he is. Before God does anything, he is. That everything that God does comes from who he is. God did not create the earth or anything in it, including those that he made in his image. He didn't make you and I because he had a need for significance. When we start talking about the work that we do on a regular basis or the world that we live in, we often find ourselves finding significance and value and worth in the things that we do. God found no significance in and of himself in trying to create. They didn't create the earth in order to feel significant. He already was. You understand? This is what makes God God. God has been eternally thrilled with who he is and what he's done. Eternally. God's never had a moment where he's not fully enjoying himself because everything that God does comes out of who he is. God did not create in order to find validity. God wasn't trying to find validity in who he was. He was actually finishing creating the earth, and he's capping off this experience by saying, I am. The point of rest, the point of putting into a seven-day, listen, it's actually a six-day rhythm, right? He does all the things in six days. Says that's, there's another part of the rhythm here that you need to understand who I am because all this creation's coming out of me. I'm making people in my image. I'm creating all these things for you to have wonder and awe of who I am. And I'm creating all of this to dive into my glory for people to experience all of this. But there's one part of this you need to understand. And there is a call and ability to be before we do. It's a part of his framework and therefore it becomes a part of ours, that this rest comes not from what we can produce and saying that we can do all the cool things, but it comes from remembering our design and purpose. It's actually a soul issue first before it's a physical issue. That rest is first about who God is. God's so delighted in who he is, he was ready to share it out of the fullness of his heart towards us. Because of that, that's what creation gets to step into. And so that seventh day is the ability to stand back from a place of deep fulfillment that comes not because of anything that we've been able to accomplish in our own, but because of who we are in him, because of who he is. 
That church, hear this, is where rest actually begins for you and me. It has to start in the soul. Before we talk about the activity, God wants this thing to be rooted in our soul. God has, hear this, God has so many incredible things, beautiful, powerful, amazing things for us to be able to put our hand to, to achieve. Things in business and things in our families and things in this community and things even in this church. God has amazing things for us to put our hands to, but our rest cannot come from our achievements or all the things that the Lord has to, for us to do. It can't come from that. Why? Because there's always going to be another conquest. The rest will never, or I'm sorry, the work will never be finished, meaning there's always another level. Have you ever arrived at a place where you feel like, ah, it's all good now? No, there's always something more, right? There's always something to be proven over and over. There are never, never enough mountains to climb or challenges to face or jobs to get or incomes to exceed or children to have that will actually give you rest. The fallacy is to believe that somehow if we can attain, if somehow we can arrive, if somehow, if, our, if I could just get my business here, then I could have rest. If I could just get my relationships like this, then I would have rest. If I could just accomplish this one thing, finally, then I could have rest. And the point of God bringing a seventh day is to say, there's literally no achievement that will give you what you're looking for. That what you're looking for comes from one place, the heart of the Father. That's actually the place where you'll experience rest. And the point of God saying, well, I'm going to do all of these things, but I want to build this rhythm is to say, this is critical to who you are, how you and I will live that who we are deep down in Christ is the beginning place for rest. It's the ability to be, hear this, it's the ability to be before we do. We have to be before we do. That's what gives us capacity to actually rest. And so God sets this thing up on the seventh day, that there's meant to be a rhythm in our lives on a reoccurring basis where we come into the rest, where we come to remember who we are, where we can sit back from all the work of giving all the things for all the week, but to say, but you know what? None of that satisfies and none of that will give me rest, but Lord, you give me rest. Rest starts from a soul place. So rest actually needs a rhythm. Rest needs a rhythm. God saw that it was good, and what does he do? Right? He gives this rhythm away to his people, not as a punishment, but as a gift to us to be able to actually experience and find rest. Right? It's the Ten Commandments. God's coming in. He's given us his heart, who he is, and he's saying, hey, probably not a good idea to kill people. Okay, probably not a good idea to commit adultery. I've never met anyone that's thinking, yeah, killing's good or adultery's good or all the things we're getting, all the Ten Commandments. But he's got one that says, but hey, 
Honor, remember the Sabbath and set it apart. Let it be set apart. Keep it holy. Meaning this, I want for you to thrive in this world. And part of your thriving is resting, not in what you can accomplish and do, but in who I am and who you are in me. Period. That's going to be the thing that shifts. Listen, days off are good. Vacations are good. And we're going to talk about that. But soul rest starts with a good father and being with him. And so we get to ask that question. Is my heart truly satisfied in the Lord? Is my heart truly satisfied with who he is? Six days to pour it out. That there's a critical seventh day where we just have to be stop the work and be. I, I got a chance to spend some time with some, uh, it was like a pastor's retreat with some really incredible folks. And um, we were, you know, they were doing some things, just they're trying to minister to pastors because uh, pastors have been taking it on the chin. Well, they've been taking it on the chin for 2000 years, but the last two years, they've been really taking it on the chin, right? As, as we all have, this is what the pandemic has been is just one slug after the next, right? But so we had a, just an opportunity to, to jump out of that and just to be with some other guys. And uh, they, sent, they had sent us out for just to spend some time with the Lord. And they had some kind of leading questions to ask as we went out. So I was going out ready to just start asking the question. And I'm telling you, this is like a window into my soul. So, you know, don't mess with me. But anyway, I, 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 I just stepped out there. Just kidding. But I stepped out there and, and these, these leading questions just to ask. And there were some beautiful questions. But the minute I did it, I mean, the Lord just, I got jerked just to the left for a moment. And there was something that I had to deal with in my soul. And I was, as I was before him, I was like, Lord, I, I can't come to you and ask these questions. Because I've gotten into a rhythm where every time I come to you, I'm trying to get my marching orders. There's all the things to do in the kingdom to build to love people, to touch the world, to see this city come to know Jesus. And there's all those, there's all the things in the kingdom to do. And the easiest thing in the world is just to get wrapped up in the work of the ministry. And the Lord was saying, no. There's a being issue here. There will all hear this. There will be, there's an endless amount of things to do. It's not going away. Your to-do list or candidly, your toddlers, they're not going away, right? They're just not leaving. It's just 24-7 onslaught. And what the Lord had gripped my heart with that day was, can you come to me to just be, to just be with me? Not to get marching orders for the next day, not to get the new assignment for the next month, but can you come to me to be with me? That's all I'm looking for. And I was like, oh God, I don't know. You know, I mean, I was just like wrecked for a moment. But just dealing with this soul issue of it's the easiest thing in the world to go do the things for God. But if you actually want to experience true rest, it actually comes from just being with him. And this is what, his, his, what he wants for each one of us. It isn't... Hear this, it's not to say that there is an amazing and critical and powerful work we're all supposed to put our hands to. We're all gonna work. 
But there's a being that has to come before doing. So what does that actually look like? Well, enter Jesus. Because Jesus has a way of cutting to the heart of people and cutting to the heart of God the Father. He's the best at it. He does all the things. And here's what we're going to discover. We cannot experience real rest. Hear this. We cannot experience real rest without experiencing Jesus. With bread and with water on the way. Shalom. Even to the 10th generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever. May I, may I see? Because they did not meet you with bread and with what? Excuse me. What are you doing? What is your name? Elam. Your friend Elam has a withered hand. Are you a healer? It is not lawful to heal on Sabbath. Which one of you who has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath will not take hold of it and lift it out? Who are you to speak to our congregation in such a of way? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Stop this at once. Come here. Come stand here. Elam, sit down. We don't know this person. He could be a shaman. Is it lawful on Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill? This affliction does not threaten his life. It does not even affect his health. Let it up. everything. Wait! Come back! How dare you! Are they going to send the town guards after us? I think those guys are the town guards. All right, so for those of you who didn't see, first he interrupted the reading simply by standing next to this guy with a paralyzed hand. <laughs> then the priest... <laughs> Reaping or harvesting on Shabbat. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, I've been so hungry, I forgot what day it is. You may.
Please. Out of the way. You have made a mockery of our little synagogue and of Torah. You will tell us your name, your lineage, your... First you, and now your disciples, are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Have you not read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He entered the house of God in the time of Ahimelech, the priest, and ate the bread of the peasants, which was not lawful for him to eat, but only for the priests. You would compare yourself to David. It was an emergency. Or have you not read in the law how on Shabbat the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, but are guiltless? That's for Levites. Are you a Levite of priestly lineage? Listen carefully. Something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So, the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Son of Man. Let's go. love that uh, depiction of Jesus' life. It's the show The Chosen, if you haven't seen it yet. This, this uh, scene is coming straight out of Mark chapter 2. We're going to read it together and just begin to lean into what Jesus is looking for for our hearts. On Sabbath, Mark chapter 2, on one Sabbath, Jesus is going to the grain fields and his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he answered, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of Abiathar, the high priest? He entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. Here it is. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. There's two things going on here, and I love that we get to see this, at least in some uh, dramatic version of it. But there's two things happening. One is that Jesus wants to clear up exactly what his heart is for the Sabbath. That it's not about this rule of religion for us to walk in, but it is a call to come and to experience and approach the God of the universe. That Jesus wants to clear up exactly how we come and approach God. Most people in the world believe that if there's a God, what you have to do is you relate to God by being good and doing good. You have to be good and do good in order to be accepted. They're literally, most religions are based on this principle. And there's probably 10,000 different variations, but be good and do good. They all have the same logic that if I perform, if I obey, if I achieve, then I'm accepted. The gospel is the exact opposite. Jesus literally turned the world upside down because the gospel says, I am fully accepted in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I can rest and I am free to follow God and his instruction for my life. That's the gospel. Religion says, prove that you're worthy. The gospel says, in Christ, you are worthy. 
Religion says you work your way to God. The gospel says Christ has brought you to God. Religion says earn your place of honor. That's what these priests were doing. Earn your place of honor. And the gospel says Jesus gives you his place of honor. That's the gospel. With religion, you have to prove and work and earn. And I guess to be honest with you, it's the easiest rhythm in the world to get in. We have to prove and work and earn, prove and work and earn in order to feel okay about our lives. So the Pharisees are literally running. The scripture says they ran because those disciples are plucking heads of grain and he's saying, there isn't rest in your soul. You might be a holy man. You might be a, you might be a one who stands on stage and preaches, but listen to me. Is there rest in your soul? He's saying, you think the Sabbath or this idea of rest exists to prove your worth, prove that you're good or to prove that you belong, but that's not my father's heart for you. He made the Sabbath for you, for your soul, for your soul to give you and me rest. It's not about a rule. It's about our soul. It's about being before we do. It's not that we are never going to do, but it's about being. Because you and I all know, by the way, that rest has to start in the soul, right? Because rest can't be achieved by things like even sleeping, right? And vacations. I mean, God love you. Uh, have you ever been on vacations with kids? If you've ever been on vacation with kids, Let's just talk about rest for a moment. Is that even really a thing? No. Yes and no, I should say. I think, I th listen, I think vacations are amazing. I think we should do trips and have experiences with family. But listen to me. If you think that sleep and vacations, that that's when somehow you'll get rest, God's trying to wave the wand. That's what he does when he set this seven-day rhythm there's actually a being that has to, have, has to happen in your soul and for you to actually experience the rest that I have for you. I think sleeping and vacations are great things. They just aren't going to answer that cry in our heart. Rest is a person, and his name is Jesus. And if you don't and can't enjoy him, then rest will continue to elude you. You'll look for it in a thousand places. We can all do that. The truth is, we live in a world where there's a constant spinning. Worries about the future, worries about job performance, worries about relational distress or all those things. Those things can't be fixed by going to sleep at night. Hear that? Hear that? You can't fix all of those things from eight hours. It's a soul place. Those things are still there when you wake up. You can go on vacation. You will come back and those things still exist there. God's looking for soul. He always is. God always cares about what's going on in here. He cares about these things. And so we spend a lot of time trying to convince people or we trying to convince God or even trying to convince ourselves 
that we've done enough good or we're working hard enough to be able to make it, so to speak. And God's saying, here, the problem is the work's going to be never ending. The work in you, the work from you, it's going to be ongoing till we see Jesus. Hear this, until you and I see Jesus face to face. You can take a day off, hear this, and not actually have rest. You can take a day off and not actually have rest. That's why Jesus busted in on the Sabbath to do these things. It's because they were going, well, if you just do the law, you'll find rest. And God is saying, no, no, I want your soul. The work's never over unless we enter into gospel rest. You have to do things in order to feel worth and value if you have to produce things in order to feel worth. God created this rhythm to stop that from the doing the things to come back and say, I'm gonna take my hands off of it. This is, this, is a, this is a pitch. You need to have a day, a 24-hour window where you take your hands off the things that you do, your job, if you will, the money-making part of what you do or the income-producing or the caring part of what you do to take your hands off of it and say, I'm just gonna let my soul rest with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. doesn't mean that you can't go do the things or take the toddlers out or do the fun stuff. It means... We take our hands off the things that we're constantly putting our hand to and say, God, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to enjoy you. Jesus wasn't trying to get rid of the Sabbath. He's actually trying to bring it home to the heart of God. And that's what we get to see. That other picture, they squish these two stories together and what you and I got to see. But there's another time in which he says, Mark chapter three, this is right afterward. Times it. Another time he goes into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand is there, and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the one man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or kill? But they remained silent when he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. I love Jesus just feeling anger in this moment because Sabbath is being stolen. Their rest is being stolen from them. They're being put under a religious cloud as opposed to calling people into a soul place. That's what Jesus did when he asked that man to stand. Is like, I want rest for your soul. This is what I'm leading to for you. Jesus isn't out to trivialize or to diminish the Sabbath. He's actually saying, are we doing it in a way where we're actually experiencing rest? And I love what he says. I'm Lord of the Sabbath, which is effectively saying Sabbath isn't just about a moment. It's I am the Sabbath is what he's saying. I am the rest. All the things, all the nervous energy, the constant motion, it's got to begin to give way to the life-giving words of the Father. What, he, what Jesus would say over us. And this is how he puts it in Matthew 11. If you got to grow up in church, this is a core scripture that we're meant to hold on to. Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you 
and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest where? For your souls because that's where it starts. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Sabbath is a day but Jesus is saying it's so much more that we got to step back from our work with the ability to breathe and to let go of what we may worry about and be glad for what we've accomplished, but more than anything, just find our gladness in God. It's not about sitting and doing nothing, as I've mentioned multiple times. Listen, if you've got kids, there is none of that. I mean, just if, if you've ever wondered, like, if you're thinking, well, rest will actually happen when my kids are out of the house, that's a long time. You don't like, I mean, a, you crazy families, like, like four kids. Oh, we got four kids. It's like, it's like, oh, sure. I, do you think God's really going like, hey, you got 20 years before you're going to get a breather? No. It's not about the absence of activity. It's actually about a soul place. You and I can rest in the midst of all the things. It's a heart condition that says, I'm not going to be defined by my worth and value, or not find my worth and value in the things that I do. And so I'm just taking a step back. And so here's my question. We'll finish with this. What is your rhythm for rest? What would it look like for you personally? Because every one of us are in different places. We got some empty nesters in here. We got some people, we got uh, families with young kids and everything else in, in between. And my question is, what would it look like to actually experience rest? What could it look like to have a rhythm that says, I'm going to do all my work and I'm going to get done, but then I'm coming to Jesus for him to come and take the grime off of me and wash me, to remove that heavy yoke, to building in that rhythm. I mentioned earlier before this summer, we're just going to step into a place of rest as a church family. And one of the ways we're doing that is uh, it takes so much when we come together to care for each other. It takes someone that's making coffee and takes someone that's welcoming people and takes someone to love on our kiddos and it takes someone to do all the things. It takes people to come up and use their gifts to help us in worship and all of those things. It takes a lot. And so we're going to just take a step this summer. And I don't say, often the idea is that somehow rest is a step backwards. I actually want to say, we want to take a step forwards into rest. An opportunity to come together as a people in one service over a couple of months and just be together and be in God's presence. And to take a breath and to remember his goodness, all that God has done. Got, even over the last uh, couple of months, we got to just baptize. It's been so fun seeing what God's doing, the life God's bringing here. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to be a church that is, is, or we be before we do. And there's so much that I think the Lord has for us to love the people of this city and to call people into the family of Jesus, to be with him and to know him for forever. I want to be a part of that work and loving on kids and doing all the things that it takes when we care, to care for people when we come together. But we're going to take an opportunity over the next two months to just be together. And so I want to encourage you to step into that rest. That this summer, be uh, in, a, in, in and with a spirit of resting in the Father. That we're going to gather together one time, 1045, each Sunday to just be in God's presence together. 
and do that. We're going to rest and be revitalized. We're going to step into the scriptures. It's going to be important, an important time over the summer, but I want to invite you into an intentional way of resting. I want to encourage you to, um, to come and be a part uh, of our lunch that we have in a couple weeks. I mean, if you're in town, everybody's in and out of town. But I just want to, hey, come and have lunch. You know why? Because part of the rhythm of rest is just being known. You know what we do? We'll spin out trying to act like we got all of our stuff together when there's more rest in actually being known and coming and walking in relationship with each other. So I want to invite you into that, that we have a chance to do that together, to come and enjoy relationship with each other. There's another opportunity, even coming this Saturday, one of, one of our ministry partners uh, is called uh, Caleb Global. And they have uh, an annual time where they actually get to celebrate the Feast of Shavuot, or which is known to us as Pentecost. And it's an opportunity to step into the, a Passover. And so uh, they're calling it As One, um, which is an opportunity to bring everybody together, regardless of denomination or any of the things, and just say, hey, let's come together. Saturday, June 4th, I think it's the June 5th, June 4th. And so if you're interested in being a part of that, it's another opportunity just to go, here's, we're going to be rest for my soul here. We're going to come together and experience, come together as the body of Christ, far outside of just one church body, but just to say, Lord, do your work of making us one. Do your work of accomplishing what only you can do, bringing us together. So I want to invite you. This is a great opportunity. It's a potluck dinner. They'll have food there. You can worship, pray, but they're going to take communion and get into just the spirit of what that Passover is where the Father comes over us and watches over us. So here's some incredible opportunities, but my question for you is this. What's your rhythm of rest? Let this next two months be incredibly intentional in the ways that you're rejuvenated and revitalized in the Lord from a soul place. And then we can talk about the activities and the things that we do and don't do. But let's do it from a place of soul rest. You guys stand with me. I'm going to pray. Jesus, we're just coming to you because we want to enter into your rest. I'm just going to finish this morning by doing the one thing that we cannot do for ourselves, which is to find soul rest. There's not enough sleep, there's not enough vacations, and we just acknowledge that. That the soul, what you want to do in us, where we make that exchange again. All of our burdens for all of your goodness. We thank you that we have someone we can come to that knows everything, literally everything that's going on inside. I thank you that we have someone that knows everything that we're facing. In fact, just right now, will you acknowledge that the Lord knows everything you're facing right now? Knows everything. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows the challenges in front of you. He knows the busyness of your job or your work. He knows the relational strife that you might be experiencing. He knows all of the things. So can you just, just take a moment and acknowledge he knows it all.
would you just invite him in to take it? You hand it over. You might even just confess, I don't know how to hand this over, but I want to give this to you. here are the places where I want to keep spinning and keep working but I need to rest and I'm asking you to give rest to my soul offer it to me and then if you would just if you you feel comfortable you can open your hands to do this but would you just receive the rest of God what he would say just take it you hand over your burdens and just receive rest of God who wants to just be with you, doesn't need anything from you. Hear this. God doesn't need anything from you. He just wants you. I'm going to say that again. God doesn't need anything from you. He just wants you. Will you just receive his goodness and his presence and his rest? You don't have to perform. You don't have to accomplish. You are fully accepted. If you are in Christ, right now, you are fully accepted. So receive. Receive. Lord, we receive and we take from you all that you are. Pray right now that you'd begin to build rhythms for us to find soul rest. There's so many great things that we're going to get a chance to do. Fun things, families or vacations or time away or experiences. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the jobs that you have given to us and the places where you've placed us to make a difference in the world around us, to minister and to bless and to put our hands to things because you've given us skill and insight. We thank you for all of that, Lord, but we choose to find rest with you. So would you do that thing in us? I bless these families to find rest, especially these young families. They've got kids everywhere. Lord, I bless them now to experience soul rest with you, to be. Would you, God, would you give them waking hours to just be with you, to just be with you? Father, for those who don't have as much going on at home, but they're caring for people in different ways and trying to bless and ministry, maybe even from a distance, God, would you bless them with rest and peace? Supernatural peace, it comes from only you. We thank you for these things that you give to us and we honor you and we bless you. We receive that now. We'll have prayer partners available at the front. We'd love to pray with you. If anything, God's got anything going on in your world, we're here to pray with you. I want to bless you guys as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, who is the Messiah and the King of the world. Amen. Blessings. Love you guys. We'll see you.